Hello, Tom here. The Berkshire Football Stories podcast has got a new sponsor. Exciting, huh? That doesn't mean that we've got new kit, though. The club secretary has made us print it over the top of last season's shirt sponsor. He reckons it'll stretch to at least another year. He mumbled something about those footballs we keep kicking over the fence, not paying for themselves. Our new sponsor? Oh, that would be MRS Digital, an award-winning digital marketing agency offering affordable social media, pay-per-click and search engine optimization to help local businesses thrive since 1999. To find out more, visit mrs.digital and tell them we sent you. Hello and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and him... Rob Davis. I really overemphasized the him there, didn't I, Rob? I, I, I'm not sure what was going on. Um, this is our pub, but not in a pub chat podcast. We're doing daily to try and keep ourselves and all of you busy during the lockdown. You can see more podcasts from us by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at FI Berkshire and find out more at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Today, our special guest is Woodley United manager Jamie Williams, who joins us on the phone. Hello, Jamie. Hello, guys. Why? Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? Uh, how are you coping with with everything that's going on? Uh, not too bad now, um, but to begin with, not very well at all. I don't mind admitting to that <laughs> um, because kind of um, being double busy with work and and football as well, and then for them both to disappear overnight um, was quite a quite a shock to the system, and um, and I got quite down about it, and I was struggling to fill my time and stuff. And uh, then the more I spoke to to other people in the game, um, they all kind of said the same thing, which made me feel better about how I was feeling, and um, and kind of got my head around the, the fact of well, there's nothing we can do about it, so may as well try and find um, some positives and and try and find some things to do. What uh, if you don't mind me asking, what what have you found to do? Are you on a major course of self improvement? Are you learning Latin? <laughs> no. Um, well, to start off with. Um, I've got a seven-month-old daughter and so for the first week or so when she was left in a room with me she was always crying and kicking off and I honestly think that is because she didn't know who I was Um, (laughs) because I'd come in after work and then almost every night was straight back out the door to to football and stuff Um, so I've just been spending a lot of time with her and I, I think now I'll probably look back as long as as uh, everyone I know comes out of this um, with their health still, I'll be able to look back at this as being quite a positive thing because I've managed to spend time with her that I never, ever would have been able to do under normal circumstances. Uh, you said there, you, after having chatted with other people in the game, you felt a bit better. Who were your contacts within the game and who, who do you bounce ideas off and who, who were you chatting to? Um, I, I talked to Fernie... Um, Rachel Furness, who's at Liverpool, Becky Jane, who's at Liverpool, and um, and Rachel Laws, who is the the Reading goalkeeper. Um, you've spoken to, to Gareth Ainsworth already. He he plays with me, so I know Gareth a little bit. And um, and my best mate is is Nathan Tyson, who is currently on loan at, at Chesterfield, who's had a long professional career. And all of the people I speak to, I know Ryan as well, actually, who you spoke to um, earlier on. Um, but everyone that I spoke to said exactly the same thing as me: that football is such a such a massive part of whether you're doing it full time or whether 
you're doing it part-time. It's such a huge part of your life. And for it to go almost overnight, it affected everyone. Of course it did. Um, and it's, it's easy to kind of think that, to almost be a bit selfish about it and just think, well, it is just me that's feeling like this. And then the more I spoke to them, the more I realised that actually it's not. Everyone was in the same boat. Um, you you talked some of the, some of the people you talked to there. Obviously, um, you're in a, a Woodley United, being the Woodley United manager, you've got you've got quite a unique um, backroom staff uh, at Woodley United, and you and you mentioned a couple of them there. But I, I wanted to just kind of go back to kind of the the beginning and and ask about kind of what what's your you've obviously done a lot in in women's football in in particular. What's your what's your history there? What what's um what what took you in that direction? Um, well, the link with the women actually was nothing to do with football at all in the, in the first place. It was because um, me and Natalie, who's my girlfriend, we got a dog a few years ago, and we both worked full time, so we needed someone to to walk, come in and walk our dog for us during the during the day. And um, and Natalie put an advert on one of these walk my dog sites, and um, Fernie replied to it and. Natalie said straight away, I think they're, I think they're footballers because she's seen a profile or, or something, which of course sparked my interest. I was like, well, de- we're yeah. definitely them. I'm sure they'd be great at walking the dog. We've definitely got to choose them. And uh, and they came around, we got on straight away. And it kind of, it stemmed from there. At the time I was, I was coaching, I've been involved with Woodley United for, for a number of years, but I was um, coaching the young kids, I think under 10s at the time. And then an opportunity come to, to take the reserves. And the first person I thought of as being my assistant was was Fernie because of the way that she talks about football, her experience in the game. And so I asked her if she wanted to come with me, and she did, and and um, and it kind of stemmed from there. And then Lawsy came as well to, to take the goalkeeper, um, and and Becky, who's a, she was coaching the academy girls at, at Reading already, wanted to to see how some of the sessions she was doing with them would work with with men. They were step seven at the time, how they it would work um, adapting the sessions for them. So she come and do the coaching as well, and then a few of the other girls started coming to watch. And and um, Lauren Bruton came in and did a, some sessions with a with a tens with a forwards, um, and it just all stems from looking for someone to walk the dog. That's how that happened. I'll be honest. I genuinely I didn't know that story, and I genuinely didn't re- realize that was how that was going to start. So um, that <laughs> okay, is yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. I thought you put your finger up. He did not put his finger up. No. It's okay. Um, I, so I, I guess um, in in terms of kind of bre- what what does having a, a female backroom team bring to bring to the club, and, and is there any is there any difference? Um, you know, I mean, I, I guess a coach is a coach, really. Would would that be would that be fair to say? That's the way I looked at it um, straight away, uh, because I've always been lucky in that I've known people um, who are involved in in professional football, and they've. I've got them to come and do little bits and pieces with me over the years. And when you've got someone who's who's been a professional or is currently a professional footballer, you have to play as is immediately straight away. Whereas what happens, uh, in fact, this is Nathan Tyson trying to ring me now on a video call. I just declined him. Um, <laughs> so when, um, so we take Nathan, for example, as he's just tried to ring me. So I've brought him along to coach some different age groups over the years. And as soon as he turns up, the players are, are completely silent and um, they listen to every word he, he, he says that they'll um, they'll try and take as much out of the session as they possibly can which is completely understandable um, if I was to turn up and take a session blind you almost have to earn the respect of the players first 
and that can take a little while. Um, so the way I looked at it was, well, as soon as I turn up with, with Fernie and Becky and Lawsy, whoever else, because they're professional footballers, they've all um, played international football as well, that they should have the years of the players and respect of the players immediately. It never really entered my mind that, oh, maybe some of the boys might have a, might have a, a problem with it. And it was actually Fernie that flagged that up to me, saying, are you sure this is going to this is going to work? So when I first took over the reserves, I, I went to the, the first ever training session and I got all the boys together and said, look, I'm I'm working on bringing in a, an all-female um, coaching team with me. Um, they're all international, they're all professional footballers. If any of you have got any kind of issue with that situation and you're not going to try and take as much out of their experience as you possibly can, there's a door. Um, if you want to go, you can go, and no one did. So that kind of answers answers Fernie's question because I didn't think any of them would have an issue with it anyway because I couldn't understand why they would. Mm. Um, and and go on, Rob. So I was just going to say, so uh, taking it back a little bit, how did you uh, first get involved uh, with Woodley United? Uh, where did that link come about? Uh, well, I played all of my football pretty much in in Woodley. Um, for start off with, with Woodley Wanderers and then early Eagles, Woodley and early district sides, then Woodley Hammers. Um, my mum was a secretary of Woodley Hammers. My dad managed um, a few teams through, through Woodley Hammers. My brother played for Woodley Hammers. Um, I was the first team captain at Woodley Hammers for a few years. And and, um, and then that club kind of disappeared into Woodley United as I was coming to an end. Um and I, I got a, a nasty knee injury when I was 31 as well, which kind of kept me out for a little while. I didn't think I was ever going to be able to play again. But my brother had gone from Woodley Hammers and straight into Woodley United. And so I played one game. I tried to come back when I was 35 for to play for Woodley United, which I very quickly realised um, was, a, was a mistake. And then um, my eldest nephew started playing for, I think they were under 13s at the time, Woodley United. And my brother got roped into helping with the with the coaching, and um, and he said to me, "Look, if you if you're not going to play anymore, do you want to come and, and and do some coaching with um with this team?" So I did that, and then within a pretty much a month of that, the, the manager left. So so me and my brother took over. Um, we took them up until they were 18. We had some good players in that side, and and um, some of them still play for me now. Actually, a lot of them are still at the club. And then we, when they got to 18, a lot of them, you know, when they get to that age group, kind of some go to university, some can't play football anymore for, for a number of reasons. And, and the team kind of broke up um, around the time where my youngest nephew started playing for the under eights. So we went straight from under 18s to under eights. And then I was there for two years until the opportunity came up to, to manage the, the reserve side. Um. Obviously, part way through this uh, part way through this season, you um, you took over the first team role. Was that was that a difficult thing to do? Um, to 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 sort of not that you were leaving the reserves specifically or the, the Royals team as they're, they're they're known, aren't they? Um, was that was that a bit yeah. of a, a wrench to leave them? But obviously, you still have contact um, with those players. Yeah, it was um, because it was still we were still in a process of really trying to turn the Royal sides around um, and I'd put a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and we were kind of seeing the um, the results from the work that we put in 
at exactly the same time when the opportunity came up to, to take the first team job. So the first thing I wanted to do was to incorporate the Royals more with the first team squad. So it's not a Royal squad and a first team squad anymore. It's just a senior squad. Um, part of the reason for that was to make it easier for me to leave those to leave those players. Um, so now everyone trains together, um, which which makes sense. So it didn't really leave as such. And what we what we did was um, I still managed both teams, and we got some of the senior um, Royals players to kind of take over the match day bits and pieces when I was with the first team. And we'd, the coaching and, and naming the squads and picking the teams and stuff was still still left up to me. Um, it worked up until a certain point because it was a, a lot to do to, to look after two teams, essentially. So we are in the process now of looking for um, someone to, to take the Royals next year. Uh, but it will still be one senior squad. They won't be just first team players and and rules players. Those that's that's finished now. Did you get uh, tapped on the shoulder for that job then uh, by someone in Woodley, or did you uh, see it sort of come up and think I'm going to apply for that and uh, um, put my name forward? No, I mean it. It came around as a bit of a shock. I, I really liked John, um, who was in charge of the first team, and we we still talk although we haven't spoken for a while, but we still we still do get on. And um, things are kind of... He'd got to a point... He'd gone as far as he possibly could with it, I think. And... Mm. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he made the decision to, to go. And the club obviously advertised for it and a few people applied. I didn't think that I'd be in a chance of getting it for the reason that... I'd only been managing by myself for um, a season with the with the Royals, and that was and that was it. You know, not even a full season with the Royals because I didn't even take that till October. Um, so I didn't think that it was going to be something um, that was going to happen until the week after John had gone, and then I, I was approached by the club that would I want to put my name forward to, to possibly to take it, which of course I was because um, it is. It is something about five or six years ago, um, me and my brother went to watch a Woodley United first team game at Scours Lane. And I said to all Rivermore, and I, I said to my brother that, that night, this is a bit of us, you know, for a few years' time, this is something we should be doing. So it was something that I kind of aspired to. I just never expected it to happen quite, quite as quick as it did. How uh, How's it been in, in that sort of first team dressing room? Because obviously... You've got you've gone in there. There's there's quite a number of players that that were there with John still there, and and there are some big characters in that room. How does that does that help you? Does that you know you, you obviously you talked about kind of having to earn the respect. Have you have you had to do that here? And and do you, do you feel like you're you're there there or thereabouts? Sure I'm absolutely sure there was an element of that, but you'd have to ask you'd have to ask the players, I guess. Um, what helped was because I. I was the the, uh, the reserve team manager first. I knew I knew all the players anyway, and I felt like I I got on with the with all of them. I don't think there's there, there was anyone there that I, I didn't get on with. So that made it really easy. So I wasn't going into a dressing room completely unknown, um, which definitely helped. And also I brought players with me, which um, which helped. Um, so I had allies in the dressing room. I knew I had allies in the dressing room anyway, which was going to help. But I don't think there was any. There's any problem there? Your uh, your arrival as manager um, coincided with a bit of an upturn in fortunes for Woodley. Uh, you 
first game was certainly a win against Langley, and I think you went on a a, a decent run after that, uh, uh, pulling in a few results. Um, you've already mentioned about the uh, uh, changes to training where you uh, had the uh, um, uh, the Woodley Royals there um, training alongside the first team. Uh, did you bring anything else in, and did you see um, what changes did you make, and um, what effect did they have? Um, initially, probably the biggest change was was bringing bringing players in, which immediately freshened things up and made it feel very different. Because I think they, the boys have kind of got into a rut, and so that it needed it needed to feel different to them, and, and bringing new players in definitely did that. Some of those were, were Royals players. Some of them were um, Craig, who, Craig McCree, who you, who you had on here. Yeah. Um, he came in straight away with me, which made a, a big difference. Lamin Cisse came in straight away and he made a big difference. Um, and the Royals boys as well. And it just made it feel fresh. It was like, a, it really was like a real fresh start, even though the majority of the team was the same. It, it did feel different, and I think that is what the, what the boys really needed at that time. So, so that helps, and it, it worked for. Um, we went on a run five or six games with really decent results, and then as soon as maybe we, we really got hit with a, a lot of bad luck injury wise, where four or five key players got injured around the same sort of time, and then that coincided with a real dip in results again, um, and then we were slowly beginning to get those players back. So before this all happens, we were close to turning turning things around again. A lot of managers, when they go into a club, um, you know, the, the one thing that when there's a change of manager quite often is because, uh, you know, a, a team isn't scoring scoring enough goals or, you know, or they're leaking leaking too many goals. And, and that's often sort of the catalyst for a managerial change, I suppose. When you went into Woodley, you've, you've got a goal scorer there. So... In, in uh, Max Lashock, you've got you've got a lad who knows who knows where the goal is. What so what are what are sort of the things that you're looking to improve, kind of ahead of next season, wherever whenever that may start. Yeah, next season is going to be interesting for for everyone because, well, like you said, who knows when it's going to be able to start. Um, I know there's there's talk of leagues changing and and teams having to drop out of leagues for different reasons and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be it's going to look very different. One of the first questions I asked the, the boys of the whole group was um, if anyone was looking to leave this year uh, during this during this spell. And to a man, they've all said they want to stay. So I'm more than happy to go into next season with the group I've got because I think for the last couple of years, when that group, if they, if they look at the league tables, I think they, they feel like they've underachieved. There's so much ability in there. Um, so I'm more than happy to go again with what I've got. I think the improvements with just a couple of players that have, that have come in made a big difference. And if we can keep that strongest team or more or less that strongest team fit for the majority of the games, we'll do we'll do okay. So I don't think much needs I don't think much needs to change. Is it too early to talk about ambitions for next season? Like you say, we don't really know when it's gonna start yet. But if you keep that group together and you, you know, get a couple of players that, um, like you say, sort of missing pieces or whatever, or just add to the squad. What do you think, uh, what would you like to be achieving with Woodley next year? Um, for my own sake, I'd like to us to not be uh, so close to the bottom of the league just so I can get some more sleep at night. It'd be good. So <laughs> I think next year, if, someone, if you offer me mid-table now or lower part of mid-table now, I'd snap your hand off because 
that would be a big improvement from from this year. And then just to try and improve every year um, would be would be the thing. The, the club are saying this is it's a long term it's a long term project. Um, so I think just an improvement every year would be I'd, I'd be happy with that. Um, one of the things a lot of a lot of managers have said to us when they've come on our our podcast is um you know how important it is to to have a have a you know a, a secretary who a club secretary who knows what they're doing and and that kind of thing and obviously in in Mark Rosier you've you've certainly got a you've got a you've got a club secretary who knows his way around the rule book and and knows knows kind of how a club has should be run obviously Mark Mark's there an awful lot and I, and I guess uh, if you know if if there, if there was a few things you wanted to kind of say about Mark, that that would be great. But I, and I guess when I go to Woodley, there there's there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of kind of other volunteers around the club to kind of it, it's sort of it's Mark and yourself and and your your management team. Is that something that the club's looking to to kind of build uh, a little? And it, obviously, it's difficult than playing in Reading as opposed to being in Woodley as well. I suppose. Yeah, that I mean, playing at Rhythm always. It's great. The facilities there are, are brilliant. It's a proper non-league football ground, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. good, um, but it kills us in so many ways in having to play our home games in, in Tyler. Woodley United is a club that's absolutely massive, and if, if we had a ground in Woodley, the gates would be would be good because the the kids that are playing for Woodley United on a Saturday morning, and their Woodley United kits could then come to a ground in the afternoon. And go for a turnstile and and feel like they're going to a proper football match and watch men running around in the same kits as them. It'd be it'd be it'd be massive, and the, the gates would be good. And I think if that was to happen, Mark would definitely um, need more more help. Um, you'd have to ask him if um, if he's happy with the with the current setup. Um, as far as I'm aware, he, he is. I talk to him three or four times a week. And, um, and he seems pretty happy. Even now, in these circumstances, he's still trying to. He's, we had a Zoom meeting the other day with with some of the coaches, and then he phoned me up afterwards, and um, we we're having a chat. And then he said, "I've got to go. I've got another Zoom meeting." So I think he, <laughs> he's managing to fill it fill it time. He, he he's one of those he's one of those club secretaries that that you know mo that you know all clubs that are sort of aspiring to anything have is one that's probably been around a little while and but uh, and also you know as I say one that knows his way in and out of the the rule book and 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 that sort of thing so to to have that sort of building block to to start with must make must make your life a little bit easier. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. And I've known Mark for, for years as well, which which also helps. Um, yeah, he's he's a, a massive massive ally i i couldn't do well in, in fact i'll go as far as saying any of managers or coaches within woodley united from the tiniest kids all the way all the way up to the, the first team managers, none of us could do what we do without the help of him that's for sure mm-hmm. so uh um what ambitions do you have personally within the game uh, um, you spoke. Uh, you've spoken about Woodley next season and it being a long-term project, and hopefully improving year on year. Do you um, personally, you know, hope to manage a, a step five, four, three above, or you know, do you have real uh, goals like that that you want to tick off, or is it just uh, sort of seeing what comes and you know, playing the hand that's in front of you? Um, I want to go as far as as Woodley United's will. Are able to go basically. Um, I'd, of course, I'd love to to be at a higher level, and but I'd like to do that. At Woodley United, Woodley United feels like feels like my club. Um, although 
Woodley Hammers was my club and, and that was the, the club that I played for as a kid and, and then as, a, as a, an adult as well and I love that club. But because now Woodley Hammers is, is kind of still alive within Woodley United, Woodley United feels like, feels like my club. So I can't really imagine not having that badge on my jacket on a Saturday. It, like it, It'd be strange to, um, to be anywhere else. So my ambition is just to go as far as, as, as we possibly can or until Mark tells me we found someone much better. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, we talked about the the kind of the big characters in in the dressing room. Who are who are the kind of the the, the players that you look to 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 get the team going? Uh, Luke Axon Hall is the is the biggest character. Um, I'm sure you that answer hasn't shocked you at all. No, not even slightly. <laughs> no, he's the he's the captain. Um, he was a captain before I got there. I, I as soon as I got um, he was the first phone call I made actually. Um, when I was when I was appointed and I had a really long chat with him um, because basically I didn't want him to, to go because he was he was John's player I knew Luke but I didn't know him very well because he'd never he'd never had to he'd, to come and play for the reserves uh, even to get fit or anything like that he'd always been within a first team setup so I'd never coached him um, we hadn't really had any long chat so we spoke on the phone for literally a couple of hours um, because I, it, it was very important for me for him to stay um, and to to be that leader and be the character in the dressing room because because you need them for mm. sure um, unless you really don't get on with them and then it causes all kinds of problems. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's him it's him mainly, um, and then there's a little group of of senior players that that kind of um, kind of do that as well. But there's a lot of young lads in that dressing room, which makes it even more important um, for people like Luke to to lead because a lot of them are. They're still they're still learning. Um, they're they're very quiet. For example, this year in a sixteen man squad, I, I had nine players in a sixteen man squad that were twenty one or younger, two sixteen year olds, um, which makes then Luke and and Fred and and people like that hugely important. And and obviously you, you had we haven't I don't think we've even touched on Gareth Ainsworth yet actually but you you've got a you got a player like Gareth Ainsworth coming into your squad, uh, kind of on a, on a midweek when he's when he's available to I, I imagine that gives a that gives a lift to the to the dressing room. It it does more than that. I honestly think that you get ten fifteen percent more out of all of the players when when Gareth's there. Um, I think the results when um, when Gareth's played show that as well because we we've always had good results when Gareth's been there. Um, some against teams that we probably on paper you'd think we'd we would have lost to um, in the circumstances we were in last year. Gareth's there, we get we get good results, and it's because whether it's conscious or it's a subconscious thing, everyone works harder, everyone tries harder when when Gaz is there, which is which is brilliant for me. It's just a shame that Wickham <laughs> selfishly have their games on Saturday yeah. and that they can't play on Sunday, so I can have them every week. <laughs> Uh, how how do you, does it affect you personally having someone um, in your change room who uh, sort of uh, you're telling what to do who is a very long-standing football league manager and has a, a, a lot of experience um, when we spoke to him he said you know he, he doesn't necessarily uh, uh, bite his tongue or, or stay out of it but he doesn't really he says he he paid you a compliment and said you know there's not a lot that he uh, he would say too much different to what you're saying. But how does it affect you having to essentially manage someone with that much experience? That's very nice of him to have, to have said that. But so, first of all, I wouldn't want him to bite his tongue because if he mm. if he saw something and he was addressing the same as all the all the players, if there's something that that they 
it's very different being still on a touchline as it is being on the pitch. So if the, if the players, see, I want them to come to me and, and tell me that there's something that needs addressing. Um, so in that respect, it would be strange if Gareth didn't say anything. Um, a lot of the time, I do, if we're coming off at half-time, and you'll, you'll notice this next year now because you'll look out for it, I'll walk <laughs> onto the pitch, wait for some of the players to, to walk off and then walk into the dressing room with Gareth and that is because I'm asking him um, or, or I'm saying, look, I've, I've seen this. What do you think about that? Does this need changing? And and is there anything that you've seen that, that I that I wouldn't have done? And then he'll point out a couple of things or we'll, we'll agree on different stuff. And Because it'd be mad of me not to do that. I, I'm, I'm a network cable engineer. He's a, a football manager. So it'd be mental for me not to ask him. It'd be, it'd be crazy not to. So he... He helps hugely within that, um, but I'm also conscious that when he's with us, he's he's a player and he plays for fun. And it, it, although although he's he's going from a very stressful football related job, and then going into into football, so from the outside it can look like he's he's doing the same thing. It's completely different. So he's there to relax. He's he's there for fun. And I don't want him to ever feel like he has to take on more responsibility. And then for it to become not fun for him and not a way to relax. So I try not to fire a million questions at him. And I have to bite my tongue with him more probably than the, than the other way around. Because <laughs> I could fire a thousand questions at him every time he's there. And I, I try not to do that. Um, and I wanted to just I wanted to ask as well, just kind of about that that sort of uh, your your management team dynamic because we when we spoke to Craig, we talked to him about kind of coaching Rachel and then being coached by Rachel. How how do you see that as a dynamic? Because I just thought it was fascinating. But um, how how does that how do you see that dynamic yourself? Well, first of all, it wasn't really anything that we that we spoke about or that we thought about. We needed a goalkeeper um, because the goalkeeper left when John did. And I tried to get him to stay, and his, his decision was made. Like he, he didn't want to play anymore. Um, the Royals had a game that week, so I couldn't take Pete from the, from the Royals because within the same week of me leaving the Royals, and I wasn't really leaving, but the same point where I wasn't their manager anymore, then saying, right, I'm taking your goalkeeper, and then leaving them in a situation where on a Saturday they're getting a dressing room and they're almost having to, to draw lots over who's going to play in goal would have left a really bad taste, I think. So we were in a situation where I was I tried everyone I knew to try and get a goalkeeper. I must have made a hundred phone calls that week trying to trying to track a goalkeeper down. Um we put seven day approaches in for a couple of goalkeepers that would then we, we couldn't do, which I don't really want to go into too much. But so we tried to get one and then on Friday I was in a I was in a restaurant in Wimbledon, um, coming up to twenty four hours before the game. And I, I was thinking, right, it's the first game as first team manager and I haven't got a goalkeeper and I don't really know what I'm going to do about this. And I had no phone signal and I was sat in this restaurant in Wimbledon and I just had my head in my hands, what I'm going to do. And then the thought came to me. I ran straight out of the restaurant, got some phone signal, phoned Lawsy and said, are you still at training? She said, yeah. I said, grab Craig and ask him what he's doing tomorrow. I'd never met Craig before. I'd seen him loads, but we didn't, we didn't know each other. And um, so she shouted across the gym. She said, he's in the gym now. She shouted across the gym, Craig, what are you doing tomorrow? And he said, nothing. And at that moment, I knew I've got a goalkeeper. Because <laughs> there's no way that he'd be able to say no to Lawsy. So he turned up with never meeting me. We got it done 45 minutes before the deadline. I think the paperwork was done. And 
he'd never met me before. He'd never met any of the players before, obviously, and hadn't played in a, in a few years for the reason that he coaches all the time. So Saturday football went out for the window as soon as he got a job at Barnet. He couldn't play Saturdays anymore because that's where he was. So he didn't really have the time to play. Um, so, yeah, we got really lucky with that one. <laughs> I, I pretended to the players that I knew Craig really well and walked in the dressing room, oh, all right, Craig. Like, because I didn't want I didn't want the other players to know that I'd signed a goalkeeper the day before. I'd never seen him play. <laughs> that, that, could have, uh, that could have blown up massively in your face if he'd have had a yeah. howler, though, so, couldn't he? I mean, if we'd sat, sat down and talked about it, I would have said to Lawsy, is this dynamic okay for you? Because obviously crazy coach during the week, you're going to be coaching him on a Saturday. Is it going to cause problems at work? If it's going to make you feel uncomfortable at all, and we, we won't do it. We never had that conversation because we didn't have, we had 45 <laughs> minutes to do it. So um, when people say, oh, it's a really interesting story. I'm like, well, yeah, I suppose it is. But <laughs> it happened because we had, we had absolutely no choice. And it works because it had to work. Do, I, I must be honest, Jamie, the stories we've had out of you have not gone the way that I expected them to go. And I, and that, I, th- I suppose that's quite a, quite a testament, really. Um, you know, it, you're not doing things. Uh, and I suppose it, it shows in, in, um, in, you know, the team you've got behind you, you're not doing things in a, in a conventional way, which is, which is certainly a good thing. I mean, anybody that's listened to this podcast knows I've been involved myself in women's football. Um, what they possibly won't know is that it's a massive frustration of mine that there aren't more female coaches involved in women's football especially at a, at a lower level and, and that sort of getting players who are who are finishing playing and getting them to become coaches doesn't seem to be a thing uh, and I'd hold my hands up to the fact that I, I certainly never encouraged anyone to become a coach but I think that was more because I wasn't that bothered about coaching myself I just quite liked managing a group of people and getting them to turn up somewhere on a on a Sunday afternoon um do you do you think that that female coaches is something that's going to become uh, a, a more of an important part of the game and a more just a normal part of the game because I certainly hope it does. I, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I think it, to start with, I think there will be more and more female coaches. Um, when I played for Woody Hammers, we had a female manager for, for years. She was the only one um, that I was aware of at that, at that time. And that was because she had a group of players that under 10s or something and the manager left and no one else would do it so she took over when they were when they were little of course it wasn't strange at all mm. and when I went to play with that group of players it was just the norm to have a female manager so and I played for for years and years diagonal and she was brilliant and so when I asked Fernie to come first of all as my assistant manager it didn't strike me as being anything strange because of I'd played for a woman before um, and it was only strange because people were pointing out well is that going to work? Is that is that a different thing? A hundred, a hundred percent. Fernie will go on and be a really good, really good manager. I'm I'm absolutely convinced of that. She should. Becky is a is a brilliant coach, and when she's when she's finished playing ten years time or whatever, I think Becky Jane will go on and be a very good coach. And I think Lawsy, it'd be criminal if she doesn't um, either go specialist goalkeeping route and be a goalkeeping coach or go into the management side as well because she's brilliant in front of a group of players. And all of these these the girls that are playing now, whether they're the women that are playing for Woodley United's women's side or the girls that are at Reading or um, I know Jay Bradley who's at Portsmouth who's who's coming with me now to do the strength and conditioning. 
um, with, with my players, which is a great thing to have because not many people have strength and conditioning coaches step sick, but I've got one who, who plays for Portsmouth as well. So she's from a football background. It's brilliant. I think all of them should be looking to stay in the game because why, why would you not? And whether they, they stay within the women's game and coach within that or whether they come into the, into the men's game, I, should, I don't think it makes any difference. The, the way it works with us, I think where I was talking earlier about where if you're a male coach and you turn up with a group of male players and you have to earn their respect straight away, across the board, when I've walked onto a training ground, whether it be with Jay Bradley who's doing the strength and conditioning, or whether it be Fernie that's going to talk to, about technical stuff and we work on shape and patterns of play and stuff, or whether it's Becky that's, that's doing really interesting possession drills, or whether it's Lawsy with the goalkeepers, we've never had any issue. The, the, the boys have, the respect that they've given them, um, maybe that is because there's a there's a woman there and they're, they're, they're more inclined to listen to when there's a, a woman there. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but every single time, I've never, ever had an issue. And with, with us, We've got a broad spectrum of, of players from different cultures, different backgrounds, different ages, and we've never experienced a problem with, with any of them for the two over two years we've, we've been doing it. So if you use that as an example, absolutely there should be more, more women coaches. And if one of the reasons that maybe they don't stay in is because they think there might be a problem, use us as an example that there isn't. It's, it's certainly something I'd like to shine a bit of a light on more and and if if kind of listening to you talk about the coaches that you've got in and the work they're doing does inspire some people to to go off and and go down that road and 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 crack on with it then then you know i absolutely 100 percent hope so that that that's that's the future really because you know the more people involved you know especially in the lower league game and the more people coaching and the, the higher quality coaches we've got at the level of the game that we're talking about at the moment uh, you know, and then going up through the game as well, working their way up through the game, is only a positive for football as a whole. Um, you know, in this country and 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 the UK, I suppose, which is which is what we all want, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Um, right, we I think we need to end it there. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Jamie, we could we I think we could talk about this this sort of stuff for 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 hours yet, and perhaps perhaps we will at some point. Yeah, um, sure, anytime. But um, it, it would it would be it, it, I, I certainly wish you you guys luck uh, next season and 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 Woodley you know getting back up that table a little bit because um, I think that's that's where we want to see all the clubs around this area uh, at, the, at the at the sort of mid to upper areas of the table so so fingers crossed that that uh, everybody keeps working hard and 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 keep pushing on um, Rob did you have anything you wanted to just finish off with No, I think you finished off nicely there I'll, I'll leave you at that <laughs> um jamie we do have one final question non-football related that we've been asking everybody um just to just something for everybody to do while they're uh while they're under in this lockdown um do you have a, a box set or a tv show that you could recommend to everybody um oh, yeah we've i've actually had the opportunity to, to watch loads through <laughs> this time loads of things that under normal circumstances i might have watched two episodes and then never got around to watch the rest um, but we finished The Stranger the other day on Netflix. is really good. Um, I've been watching The Last Dance on Netflix, which is about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan that's, area. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? The footage they got of that is, is so good. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, there's there's been there's been loads more. The Nest on BBC was quite good, which is another one that I probably would have watched an episode of and then never got round to finishing. But it, there's 
that's one good thing. Another good thing about this time is that there seems to be so much good stuff around to watch, <laughs> which is lovely. Keeping us all out of trouble. Um, Jamie, thanks very much for uh, for coming on the podcast and joining us. Um, very much appreciate it. Um, that was the Berkshire Football Stories podcast pub, but not in a pub chat with Woodley United manager Jamie Williams. Uh, you can see more in the series by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. Please subscribe for all the latest. And if you have a minute, please give us a rating and a review. Uh, all that is left to say is there's goodbye from me, Tom. Uh, it's goodbye from Rob. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, and it's goodbye from Jamie. See you later, everyone.